Hey, David, it's John here from Red Dice Diaries. Just wanted to drop you a quick message to say how much I enjoyed your Black Hack 2nd Edition game at the weekend. I thought you ran a really great game using all of the various random tables, which makes sense given that you host the Deep Centile podcast. And I thought you really made the most of that, improvising well, as well as a few, like, maybe a little set pieces, but... It was quite difficult to tell which was which, which I think is a, a mark of how well the session went. But it was a great group of players. Everyone got on really well together. You know, a bit of light-hearted banter. The game wasn't taken too seriously, but it was still very enjoyable. And I'm really looking forward to playing Black Hack again and maybe even running it. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the actual system. So I think that's a great credit to yourself and to the player group. Thanks very much, dude. I look forward to chatting to you in the future. Take care. Come in, my child, out of the cold And listen how the story's told Take off your coat and stay a while We're rolling that deep percent time So I've been having some fun rolling on random tables recently for my own game playing and I thought I'd give you an insight into some of that. Uh, you can reminisce with me about how I used to... <laughs> I used to roll on the random tables, uh, so I'm going to roll some dice, and I am busy populating buildings in a fantasy town, quite a large fantasy town. So this preparation is for my upcoming game of the Black Hack 2nd Edition, which is going to be run as a very casual West Marches style campaign, meaning that... Uh, I'm quite happy to arrange sessions ad hoc, got players from all over the world, I've got a few hours here and there in the evenings but sometimes I don't know until quite short notice so the Audio Dungeon Discord is a useful space for just going hey I've got a few free hours there, anyone want to come and do some gaming and that's how I intend to run the Black Hack, I've told people it will be quite a casual experience, no long term commitment required from particular individuals. Um, the tongue will be in cheek at points, um, and and I'll, I'll I'll run it pretty much the way the black hack uh, suggests. So really, once you've got a nineteen hex map, um, which you well, you don't even need to populate that. There are good random tables for generating things in play, um, but I'm going to do a mix. So I've warned players that the whole thing, one way or another, is going to be procedurally generated. Um, and I've told people I'm going to use just whatever's to hand. Um, so some of that I'll do on the spot because it's quite fun in play to have to deal with things that come up on the tables. But a lot of that, when I've got time here and there, I've really enjoyed just picking up a table and rolling some things to populate. It's just quite good. It gives you a sense of the world that's there in the background for the players. Um, and my prep for the first session, they're going to start off in this town, which is called Shroudwick, which I took from the top of the list of the fantasy name generator when I when I went into that looking for fantasy town names I quite like that um, and yeah they're gonna start off in Shroudwick and then 
the way I'm going to run the campaign because players will drop in, drop out. I'm going to keep each session discreet. And then as the players explore the hex map, once any group discovers uh, a place that I'm calling a point of light, somewhere people can safely rest and travel to, then future sessions, whoever's there, can start off from those points of light. So if you like, think of it as a computer game map where you discover fast travel points. So that's how that's working. So they haven't got to worry about keeping the party together. Um, they need to get back to a point of light. And to be honest, in sessions which are travel, um, if they don't discover a new one and we get to a point and we need to end the session, then I'm always quite happy that they can travel back safely to that point of light. So I'm not going to be too too strict about, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in that situation where we have to play for another hour so that they can get back to somewhere safely or anything like that. So as I say, it's going to be quite casual. And we'll use... Um, you know, just meta understandings where we need to to make that work. But I think that's quite a sensible way of doing it. Think of it like a computer game. But anyway, so so then I'm, you know, I'm just having fun populating bits of the map. I'm using two different scales. So I've got a hex map for um, just a larger a sense of the larger scale of the world. And then each hex in that map corresponds to a 19 hex flower design, which I am uh, filling up in the way that they suggest you do in the Black Hack book. Um, so when they're navigating, uh, I'll just move in and out of those two scales as they move off of one 19 hex map and onto another. But that keeps each bit of planning discreet, and I might give each particular set of 19 hexes a particular flavour. I'm using my um, temple, tower and tomb um, principle, which uh, you, you can search for that. It's one of my episodes a little while ago. But the way I'm making sure that there's something interesting, even though I'm randomly generating the rest of the each hex, is I'm going to put one temple, one tower, and one tomb on each hex. And by that I mean just generally one significant divine agency, one ancient sleeping, probably evil, and then one fortress, again, probably of some um, hostile humanoid race or evil entity. Um, but apart from that, I've just got I've got all of the hexes there, and as things come up in play, I might give them rumours on the fly, and then just quickly <laughs> mark the location into my hex map to be populated later, um, or whatever. I'm playing it loosey goosey. Um, so there's absolutely no need to do what I'm doing now, which is actually populate um, each building in the town of Shroudwick. But I'm enjoying trying things out. I drew myself a little map. It's the first time I've bothered to draw a town map. Um, that was really good fun. Uh, I've numbered every individual building in the town. I've got 250 buildings in the town. So it's a fairly big town population of probably, I don't know, 1,700, 1,800, something like that, I think. Um, Correct me on that if you want. That was using the guidelines in black sand for, you know, how big is your town and how many buildings it should have. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not too bothered. It's a fantasy world. <laughs> I'll follow my own rules. Um, and I've already populated. I've got an area called the Shambles, which is like the poor, uh, the poorer area where most of the population is gathered, which is completely populated. Every single building with named occupants. Uh, for which I used fancy name generator. I'm probably not going to do that bit with you now. I'll go through and do that later because it'd be a bit boring to read off a list of names. But for that, I just work out how many names I need. And I go to fancy name generator and then I just cut that many names off of the, off of the box that generates names and put them on the map. Um, I've populated the old town. Uh, and now I've just started the market quarter. So location 201 in the market quarter has got a business in. It's a livestock farmer by the name of Lane. Um, then we've got a private house. Then there's another business. It's a flower seller by the name of Verrill. Then there's a tenement. 
and I've given the names of six the six families that occupy that tenement and I'm on to building number 205. And because although it's supposed to be Arneson, well actually this is the first day of November so it's no longer Arneson month but Arneson month sort of I don't know really how I think it was at least in part to do with me sort of unofficially also became fighting fantasy month amongst the anchorites certainly I'm meeting with the uh my fellow Purple Worms this weekend to do a few episodes or at least one episode on Fighting Fantasy um, and I've really been in the mood for Fighting Fantasy getting hold of all my old AFF books and Riddling Reaver as you know um, at some point I'm going to say a bit more about Black Sand which is the second advanced Fighting Fantasy book um, but suffice to say at the moment that this is the book that I'm using to populate the town I remember so I got this book in 1990 immediately on release when I was 12 years old so I was already in secondary school at this point and it's got loads of stuff. It had loads of extra rules for fighting fantasy, new special skills, new kinds of magic, rules for priest magic. It had a wonderful big adventure. Um, but and it, and it detailed, what I was excited about was it detailed Port Black Sand, which is a location in quite a few of the um, fighting fantasy game books. Um, and here you had a really detailed guide to Port Black Sand so you could set your adventures there. And I was really excited by that. But it also had a whole chapter on designing your own towns, including a bunch of really useful random tables. And at the time, um, I don't think I was convinced of the value of random tables. So I looked at these and I thought they were fascinating and interesting and, and quite good for inspiration. So I would scan over them and go, oh yeah, you could have that building, you could have that building. But the idea at the time of rolling on them to generate a town just seemed sort of lazy or strange. I, I used to think, well, we, you know, you might get a really odd town that would come out. Whereas nowadays, of course, I'm just thinking, this is brilliant. Why haven't I used this before? You know, I haven't opened this book um, until this month for a good perhaps 20 20 years um yeah it's funny yeah definitely haven't uh, whereas now i'm just thinking yeah why why haven't i just used this all the time but i haven't i've never populated an entire town it hasn't taken very long to do um those 200 buildings took me a couple of hours and that includes something i didn't mention that includes also rolling um not for every occupant of every tenement but where i had a business owner i've i've rolled also on the uh, appearance and personality tables which i'll show you today so that's what I'm using. Um, so in this chapter, you have a little bit of guidelines. Um, yeah, town and city adventures, designing a settlement, um, how to choose your location. In fact, it's got step by step um, how to do your town. Choose a location, choose a settlement because there's obviously the Alansia map or place a new one. Draw and name the settlement, name and detail selected buildings and other important details. Name and detail selected inhabitants of selected buildings. That's pretty much what I am doing uh, choosing a settlement then you've got guidance around the different uh, sizes of settlements where they might be located why they might have come together in a particular place guidance on population which I won't bore you with now but which I have followed to decide what kind of size of town it was and how many buildings it would have you get guidance about rolling um, in relation to the size of town you do a die roll to see how many market days it has and then you can roll for what's on on a particular market day. I haven't done that yet for Shroudwick. Um, maybe I'll do that now, actually, uh, before I go into the buildings as I'm flicking through. So Shroudwick is the 1,000 to 2,000 occupants category. I'll do my die roll. Uh, I can't roll it there. Do my die roll three. Um, so there are three market days. 
Um, oh yeah, then there's guidance on determining. Oh yes, yeah, so it's right. There are three market days. Then you roll to determine how many market stands there are. You divide the population of the village or town by 100. I'm going to say there are 18 stands. Therefore, um, then you roll for each stall. Yes, yeah, so actually, there's a roll for each stall on the table below. Well, I'm not going to do that now. Um, but uh, yes, I'll enjoy populating the 18 stands of the market, deciding what days, what those three days are. That's quite good fun. Right, and then you've got your your table for deciding what's in any particular building. And this is intended to be used ad hoc. Um, but as I say, I have enjoyed, just as a challenge really, populating every single um, building that I drew on my map. So now you've got a different table for villages, poor districts, merchant districts and wealthy districts. Currently I'm doing the merchant district. You roll two dice and add the total to determine what kind of building it is. And the options are empty, private house, tenement, business table one, business table two, business table three, business table four. And all of those are available. The merchant district can potentially have all of those, whereas the poor district doesn't have some of the more wealthy businesses and the village doesn't have anything beyond business table one so that's good fun so we're doing location 205 let's roll uh, that's 12 uh, that's business table four those are the rarer businesses that's quite exciting then these are d66 tables so I roll 62 um, and it is a tavern Excuse me while I put that in then. So that was business table four. It is a tavern. Right, well, this is a good opportunity, actually, because the other thing I was going to do today, as I went through my other districts, I left the taverns, I highlighted them, and thought I've got to come back and give them names. Uh, there isn't a generator for tavern names, although there is a wonderful generator for tavern quality in here, which I'll roll on in just a moment. But then I remembered, I've been playing King of Dungeons, and I remember that when you're designing your guilds, um, you've got a random table, uh, if you want to use it, for choosing your guild's pub. Um, and effectively, that is a D66 table, because there are D6 different types of guilds. I've got a table in there for this, and then each one has a D6 pub table. So I'm actually gonna use that to generate my tavern name. So firstly, I've rolled one, which gets me to the military guild style. Now I'm gonna roll on the military uh, pub table. Three, uh, Battle Tongue. Okay, so in the merchant district, there is a tavern called Battle Tongue. Okay, quite an unusual name, but there we are. I will, later on I'll do names. I'll need a proprietor, proprietor's name for this tavern. Uh, let's roll the quality of the tavern. So for this, there's a one die table. In a poor district, you reduce the result by one point. In a wealthy district, you increase it by one point. This is mercantile, so I, it's unadulterated roll. I've rolled five, which means that the quality in this tavern is good. Uh, as fair, only better. So it's got good ale, drinkable wine, food, very tasty and hot and in large portions, several clean private rooms. So the Battle Tongue Tavern is a good quality tavern. Uh, and now I will roll for the proprietor's appearance and personality, D66 tables. 13 for appearance, big nose, personality 55, Spendthrift. Oh, I haven't rolled either of those before, so we have a big-nosed spendthrift. 
is the proprietor of the Battle Tongue Tavern. Good, and we are on to location 206. Back to the table to determine what kind of building it is. 12. Uh, sorry, no, oh, I read that as a D66. That's actually three, which gives me a private house. Um, what I'm doing with private houses actually is I'm leaving these empty um, and then as I eyeball the map, either in play or in a bit of a prep period, I will decide, sometimes I've decided the private house belongs to the adjacent business owner, for example. Other times I might want to generate the occupant, but for now I'm leaving that empty. All right, let's just do two or three more. So location 207 in the map district is nine. This is uh, business table two. With merchant businesses one, we have got 64, which will be a herb seller. Good. Let me input that. I haven't rolled a herb seller yet in the town, so that is quite good fun. And then let's roll for the patron. 62 for appearance and 16 for personality, which gives us an ugly collector. That's got a star actually, because I don't know what it means. Oh, I think I have to roll again on the table to see what they collect. A collector may be seeking out specific items or simply a collector of anything and everything. Oh, okay, so I can decide and I think I will decide later. Uh, let's go to location 208, which is nine, which is, I think, business table two again, because that's what I rolled last time. Yes. So let's do that. 23. A boat builder. Ah, now what I've tended, I'm going to put a little star next to that. What I've tended to do, there is a river which runs through the middle of my town, and where I've rolled uh, water themed businesses I've tended to move them so I'm gonna I'm not gonna modify the map at the moment what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna input that boat builder to some other location on the map which is adjacent to the river there are locations in the mercantile district and I am going to re-roll for location two eight. so I've rolled nine again which is uh, business table two again this is merchant businesses 41 is uh, an engraver. Good, again, I haven't rolled an engraver yet, so that's fantastic. And let's roll for appearance and personality, 62 and 51. Just looking through, gives an ugly, again, ugly and scheming patron, scheming engraver. Marvellous. Let's do just one more. Wow, I've rolled nine again, which puts us on uh, business table two again. 26, which is a butcher. And let's roll for the appearance and personality of the butcher. We have 31 and 36, which gives us a hairy intellectual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and on rolling a hairy intellectual, that is where I'm going to stop giving you an insight into my planning of Shroudwick. 
Right, a couple of apologies. Firstly, for the um, echoey nature of this and the last bit. I'm not in my usual location or any of my usual locations, let's say that. Uh, and also, sorry for having said uh, patron, I think, instead of proprietor, which is what I meant, but it is late at night. Anyway, by the time this goes out, I, well, I'm, I'm saying it now, <laughs> retrospectively, by the time this goes out, I have played uh, already the first session of the Black Hack, as you heard, of course, from John Anna Large of Red Dice Diaries at the top of the show, who played the supremely amusing um, but not too bright warrior Drend, who had some very heroic moments in the game, uh, absorbed a lot of blows and carried the unconscious wit from the building in a very exciting final scene. So you'll have heard about that probably if you listen to a couple of other shows. I'm just really pleased that uh, people turned up, that they enjoyed the game and that they're keen for the next session. So you might have heard Spike Pitt talk about it, you might have heard Jason talk about it and you might have heard Joe Richter talk about it on Hindsight List. So I should say Jason, of course, Nerds RPG Variety Cast or Joe on Hindsight List. So I'm just really chuffed that everybody seemed to enjoy the session. We didn't actually use any of my planning for Shroudwick because I was flicking back through the Black Hack uh, rule book in preparation for the session and I uh, got to the page on inciting incidents, I think they're called, but um, it's recommended that you start play in the middle of things with a bizarre inciting incident. And so I realised that setting up purely as a West Marches adventure, throwing in some rumours and asking the characters to wander off and make trouble was perhaps not fully in the style of starting a, a Black Hat campaign. So I took an hour on Saturday, the day that I ran the session, and just rolled up an inciting incident. Uh, I took two pages in my pad um, and I resolved that I wasn't going to use any more than those two pages and wasn't going to use any more than an hour. Used a couple of random table books, table fables, put out some requests on Twitter <laughs> for dungeon dressing and then of course um, threw in a couple of twists of my own and um, and I think the session went really well and I'm looking forward that the, the players were, were happy um, with with the situation that they ended up in and now they've got some rumours uh, and some various ties to Shroudwick I'm hoping that they will take uh, some initiative in the next session but actually I, I needn't have worried about the inciting incident because as soon as we'd done our introductions um, something emerged so it was it was uh, Colin playing Stilton the thief jester who decided that he was basically going to blow all of his money <laughs> on a party and all of the characters started pitching in it was sort of like a stone soup thing <laughs> and so everybody was contributing something to the party jason's bardo the thief decided that he was already going to go start going thieving so I, I you know the session could have begun from there um, they did exactly what, what they were supposed to do, which is begin to make trouble for themselves. That was marvellous because they blew all their money, which gave them a reason to accept uh, the mission, which I sprung on them. And I had planned simply to say, you know, they ended up, uh, well, the, the, the session begun at a, at a tower in the dark at night outside. 
um, and I'd planned to say, look, it's taken you a while to track to this tower, so here you are. Um, but this was fantastic because I'd had this massive blowout. I was able to say, in response to the question, why are we doing this in the dark? I was able to say, well, this was as soon as you could get here because you were all hungover, <laughs> which was really good fun. But I mean, they did. We, we had a, a, you know, a, a not insignificant portion of the session, which just revolved around describing this increase, increasingly wild and bizarre party that Spike Pit had initiated and everybody pitched in on. So that was really great, and I'm sure uh, you'll hear more detailed analysis of how that all went, uh, either on this podcast or others. So thanks very much to John from Red Dice Diaries for the call-in, and I have one more call-in to play to you. Hi Dave, Barney here. Well, I've done it. I've recorded episode one of Loco Ludus. Thank you ever so much for your encouragement and positive wishes and also thanks to Shay for his nice little mention of my messages to you. I think those were the final straws that pushed the camels back into a, a podcasting position or something like that. Also though, I have to say, there's always some kind of addition with me, isn't there? This evening I'm recording an interview with someone who I think is very interesting and I'm really looking forward to that. So very, very soon there should be episode two of Loco Ludus coming out. That's all. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Barney. So there you go. There's Barney of Loco Ludus. He has done it. I've listened to the first episode. You can get it on Anchor. It's Loco Ludus. I listened on Spotify. I'm sure it's in the other places. Barney sets out his stool. He's going to be talking about... Uh, home brewing, modding your games, what does he call it, kit bashing, getting things out there, sharing them. Yes, and we have these enigmatic references to future interviewees, which have me tantalised. Anyway, so I'm looking forward, Barney, to what emerges there, and I've gone way over time, so I will catch you all soon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact Dave, please leave a message on Anchor, email dpercentile at gmail.com, or find him on Twitter at d underscore percentile.